I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to Malta Comic-Con. I am here with Dennis Whittle. Dennis Whittle of Oldham Comic-Con and the Comic Den. We are here to talk with some cool creators of every which way, every artist, every writer you could possibly think of. They are here at Malta Comic-Con. I'm very excited. How are you feeling, Dan? Sweaty and excited. <laughs> so sweaty. So Very sweaty. It's a big, large, dark room with no lighting, uh, but it is fun. It is. It is fun. It the is. atmosphere is palpable. You can hear it going on. It's non-stop. It is absolutely amazing. It's just hot. It's Malta. It's, it's, it's hot. hot. It's hot. We're English. We're white, pale dudes. Yeah, it very happens. pale. It we sweat. We're very sweaty. Um, that's just our, that's our problem. That's our personal problem. Yeah, and it's um, it's not just the con. We've had a few days here talking, gossiping with the stars oh, of comics themselves. Yeah. We have we have literally had insider stuff that is not on any website. There's it's not anywhere. It's not been published. We get the the nitty gritty, the behind the scenes battles, all that sort of stuff, and and all these kind of little elements that you know. I was talking to uh, Ben Dickinson about Santa versus the Nazis, and he's like, I wrote a Wilhelm scream into my book. Only one person has ever <laughs> noticed that. What incredible little detail. Lots of lots of really good stuff going on. We've got cosplayers, we've got actors, actresses. Yeah, you name it. You know, we've got uh, uh, Bai Ling from The Crow. She was in The Crow and uh, Wild Wild West. Loads of yes. Wow, wow. Cool a wiki, 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 There we go. We've got music. You can hear, probably hear music. You know, it's like a rave. Yeah. It's a comic book rave. Yeah, we're, we're hoping you can hear all of us and all of our voice within all this. Uh, but we're, do, we're doing our best to get the best kind of stuff and yeah, best quality. And we're going around um, today and tomorrow having a little, little chat with comic book royalty. Yeah, we're going to ask a few questions, get a sense of them, see what they're, how they feel about the convention, uh, and see what kind of cool work they've got coming up as well. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I need a shower. Have I mentioned how hot yeah, I am? It's me really too. hot. I mean, eco- like, to be you know, uh, ecologically friendly, we're going to have to share one, I think. So that's the only way. I've never wanted you as much, Dan. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. There you go. <laughs> I've already, someone has already given me the nickname Mr. Fuzzy Arms. This I, I'm, yes, and me. Nickname the dragon. The dragon. I like it. I like yeah. it. You're right. You are certainly a savage dragon. It might because of my bad breath. I don't know. Okay, so we're going to be talking to lots of other people soon, um, but we've got to go. We've got lots of things to do. We've got to get. We've got to get cracking. They paid us to they come. They paid us to do this, <laughs> so we better we better do our job. <laughs> we should be we should be really doing something. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing something. We're recording. This I'm, I'm doing panels. I, I've, I'm doing a, a panel with writers. We're doing a panel with artists. We're doing a big Batman yeah, panel. We're do Batman 80, so yeah. why we love Batman. Um, Tim Perkins has launched his book here, so that's going to be a nice panel as well. Yeah. And we've got Al Ewing for that. Al Ewing, yeah. Doing, talking about the horror, yeah. and the body horror of the immortal Hulk that he's writing and all his other kind of creations. Yeah, as well. so we, 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 we're busy guys. We're going to be busy. Yeah. <laughs> been so lazy. <laughs> well, we, we've just been chatting comics. That's it. That's yeah. what we're here to do. We, so. we, we get sidetracked very, very easily. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Um, I think we'll, we'll leave you now for the time being. Um, and and we will uh, we'll get we'll get busy. get busy. See you soon. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power, turbines to speed, 
Saying you think about Batman a lot? Yeah, Batman. <laughs> Batman. I'm a, little, I'm a little disturbed by that image. Uh, well, I think I think both Batman and Superman, and maybe to a lesser extent Spider-Man, have kind of become cultural icons. Oh yeah, unless, sure. You know, even beyond you know comic book icons. And I think one of the reasons is because they're so malleable. I don't uh, think Superman and Spider-Man are in the same way. I, I, but I think I think they're not in the same not in the same range as Batman because they haven't had as many interpretations in other media as as Batman. But I think you can still tell a bunch of different kind of stories with those characters. Like you know, like Into the Spider Verse is definitely a different kind of Spider-Man sure. story with different versions of Spider-Man. But I think I think Batman is the most malleable. Yeah, but um, I don't think you can do a dark version of Superman, and when you do, well, it ends I, up like, I, well, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. you can, and it winds up in a shitty movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, that, that's exactly my point. You can Batman works on any kind of level. You can do Goofy Teen Titans Batman. You can do dark, gritty Dark Knight Returns. Brian Azzarello Batman. Right, but you can do for the man who has everything Batman, which is kind of a serious, you know, uh, or or Superman rather. I'm sorry, which is kind of a, a serious even more literary take on Superman. Or you can do, you know, Superman, the animated series. Kind of, I mean, there's flexibility, but none of them have, have as much flexibility as Batman. But I think one of the keys to any of those characters is that you can do different stuff. Like, even the Spider-Man movies have different tones to them. Yeah, okay. Um, but I, I do think you're right that Batman's the most malleable, and I think he's also had the most different interpretations within the comics. You had, you know, dark Batman with a gun when he was introduced. Yeah. And then you had friendly Boy Scout leader Batman in the 40s and 50s. And then, you know, 60s pop kitsch stuff. And then Denny and Neil really returning him to the dark roots in the 70s. I also think there's, you know, Batman's not a nice guy. Like, he kicks people's asses in alleys. And I think there's a more primal uh, response to it to the society at large that likes that, that likes, oh, yeah, that, yeah. That, that understands Batman is pissed off and he wants to hurt people more than they understand Superman's basically a god and he wants to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Right, right. I'm going to go back on something you said. Uh, Gene Ha, you're an artist, so I'm going to have these things to say, but I think you talking about the history is really important because the definitive takes on Batman were all, all these very definitive takes were done before the fanboys went completely insane, and so there's just definitive funny takes and serious takes and socially relevant takes all done before everyone get angry about it. And just you can't do that with a new character. You can't even do kind of that those takes with Tony Stark a little bit, but because there's already one definitive take, 
it's it's going to be kind of a one-off. It's not going to be it's not going to be the, a defining version of them. But there's great version of Batman doing everything. You can't you know you can't do funny Boy Scout troop leader Wolverine. Nobody wants that. Yeah. Um, so I think there is a you know there is a malleability to it, and I think there's also a really cool history of Batman because because the media incarnation started pretty you know pretty close to his introduction. Um, well, another factor, Batman's got the coolest shit. You know, Batman's <laughs> got helicopters and a you know a rat cave and a mansion and Batmobiles and Bat like uh, he's got all the stuff. Well, it, and one of the things I wonder is. Would Batman be Batman now if the 60s TV show hadn't been what it was? Like, if that, if that hadn't created such a, like, cultural moment, would, would like, everybody in the world know who Batman was? Like, and I don't, I don't know that answer. I wasn't alive. I wasn't, you know, I, I, I don't know what Batman's popularity was like in the 50s. But see, it feels like that, that exposure on American television, but worldwide, Kind of up the bar for Batman. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, just like I think Superman's bar was raised when he had his TV show in the fifties. Because they were going to cancel the call before the sixties show came on. No, so no we, kidding. Yeah, Batman was they were, on the yeah, show. They were going to cancel that's, Batman. That's hard to comprehend yeah. at this stage. Yeah. Where the DC has eight freaking Batman books. I know. So it was at the point where they were going to cancel the sixties show came, and they kind of popped the tone. A couple of grand. Books went very you know popular again. Wow. Um, so yeah, Batman was a hard sell at one time. Um, but no, I, I see. I, what you said about his, his cool stuff. I also think he's got some of the coolest villains. Yeah, yeah true. If you, yeah, if you, yeah, if you yeah. look at his yeah. world gallery, you know he's got some. He's got like stuff from absolute maniacs to like techno stuff and all the bits in between. And I, I don't kind of think maybe 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 Spider-Man's got yeah. quite a good world gallery. The Flash. Well, I can't think I of think anyone. Top three. Yeah, I think, easily top three. Yeah, I would say that the Batman's got the best best villains. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Oh yeah, I think the yeah. I, I think the heroes are always judged by their rogues galleries. Batman and Spider Man have the two best ones, I think, hands down. Um, I think the other, you know, thing that's kind of fascinating to me is the the Batman stories. Like you can you can kind of see yourself as Batman. Yeah, like well, everyone people, wants to be rich, and everyone wants to get revenge about the on the people who wronged them. Yeah, like <laughs> it's the ultimate kind of fantasy fulfillment. It's, it's it's easier to walk in Batman's shoes than it is Superman's. Yeah, and Spider Man's just a hard luck every man. You know, yeah. you, you don't necessarily be aspire to the guy who's juggling everything and getting his ass kicked and uh, you know always broke. Like you'd rather be a, a although you can, you can see yourself like yeah. Batman's sort of the the aspirational. Yeah, 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 exactly. Spider-Man's really close to who actually. Yeah. So when we talk about Batman, he's in lots of media. But they're not always getting right, do they? Batman and Robin, the <laughs> George Clooney movie. <laughs> sure. Um, if we just spend a few, because I heard Ron mention something the, the other day about about Batman, his feeling, what he thought about Batman and Robin. So as much as we you know the books, I think getting right for most times, but I think media don't always. So Ron, what do you think of Batman and Robin? Sucked. <laughs> Gene here, I thought it was completely brilliant in that we've never had any career really considered before. If Batman saves a baby and the baby's hungry, how is Batman going to feed the baby unless he has bat pillows on his costume? He can't take you anywhere. <laughs> what do you think about Batman? You know, I haven't seen it in decades. You haven't seen it? So, so, watch so it again. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't think that's incentive. 
It's, uh, but I mean, a it can survive that, and you know, Batman. You know, yeah. there is so much. It's like there is so much Batman out there. You can say, "What's your favorite Batman?" and you can pick from a million different things. Is there too much Batman out there? There's a, a, a gentleman that recently said that DC is going to die because Batman's in everything. Yet the same response this month: um, Spider-Man's in 19 books. Yeah, I mean, it's so. a double-edged sword because would hope that DC could do more than just Batman. They clearly do it because Batman sells. You know, this guy reads everything by Batman, right? <laughs> Got a bunch of Batman at home. Well, I think it's, um, look, the one thing that comics is really good at is giving you more of what you just bought. Like, if, if something sells, oh, man, wait till next month, you're going to get more of it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, If you like giving us your money this month, wait until next wait month. Wait until next month. You know, not, not everything you put out is a gym. Uh, but the, I think the sheer... Like people went to a went to a Barnes and Noble or a, you know or a chain bookshop. There are more Batman graphic novels than anything else, you know, and there are more good Batman graphic novels than anything else. Uh, now, well, that's because there's so much Batman that the old stuff kind of just disappears. Like you're talking yeah. about one bad movie from 25 years ago. How many bad comic books have there been? I'm sure there's been a ton of bad Batman out there. You probably yeah, written some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read them. Well, the other thing is, there's such a continuous history of every decade has so many great Batman stories. And I'm going to give another rogues gallery that's great, except that there aren't a lot of great writers who worked on it and artists who worked on it. Um, Captain Marvel slash Shazam has a great rogues gallery. It's just they haven't had the top writers of every decade writing great Captain Marvel Shazam stories using those villains. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, I, I, I've said before that I think, I think like every creator has a Batman story in him. I don't know that that's true for Superman or Spider-Man. Like, but I think everybody comes into this with like, I got a, I got a Batman story I want to tell. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why that is. Maybe because it's so prevalent in, in other media that we, um, and it's just even part of comics it's just part of our culture now well and also it goes back to there's so many different kinds of Batman stories you can yeah. tell so it, it, well, and any writer can do you know whatever kind of tone they want that fits their style yeah I mean I think like I wrote Witchblade for 10 years and one of the reasons that I stayed on the book so long is because the core concept was so malleable that I could do any kind of story I wanted I could tell detective story, a monster story, a science fiction story, a superhero story. I mean, I could do anything I wanted from month to month. And I think to a large extent, Batman is like that. Um, it's open to so many different interpretations, whereas, you know, like Superman, there's got to be some sort of larger superpower threat in that story, with few exceptions, to give him a role for his With Batman, you can do a quiet detective story, because that that's part of the character. You can also do a story where, you know, Batman goes to the moon and fights space aliens, and it's, it's, you know, it's it's all part of the canon. It's all it's all believable. Yeah, and it's always interesting seeing Batman overcome a uh, thing like um, invading aliens on the moon and Batman beating them up because there's so many ways you could theoretically smash Batman to smithereens, and that's not so much true. Characters like Iron Man, Spider Man, and especially Superman. There's it's hard to Put up a physical threat for Superman. Yeah, I, you know, I, I always feel like the best, the best Superman stories are the ones that aren't predicated upon his superpowers. It's yeah. predicated on the man inside. You know, yeah, they're moral questions usually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what to me the best Superman story is still for the man who has everything. That's you know, it's not about Superman fighting Mongol. 
because that's over in about two pages. It's about you know, it's about Superman's loss. It's about what he yeah. what he gave up on Krypton. Um, the the psychological aspect of the Superman stories is, is an absolute necessity. Not quite as much in the Batman stories. I think um, you can just you can tell a superhero story or a detective story. Um, I mean, one of my favorite. One of my favorite projects ever, not that I've worked on, but just as a, as a reader, is Batman Black and White. And there's just such a span of, of diversity, like in what kind of stories are being told in those eight-page comics. Um, I think that's kind of the real testament to, to Batman's elasticity as a character, is that series has so many different kind of interpretations with, within the same issue. You know, it was like four eight-page stories in a 32-page issue. So, what about his wider family? Because I, I, I'm not a big fan of... I've never been a big Robin fan. I'm not a... Not a I like Nightwing. I'm not a big fan of Robin. That's because you're a monster. <laughs> yeah, I would have voted killing. <laughs> but his wider family, does that make him more popular? The fact he's got all these... Like, you've got, I think, a Batwoman, Batgirl, Signal. You've got Clayface as part of it. Now you've got these much bigger kind of family. If, that makes him more better. If you don't like that comic, you cannot read that comic and still have a Batman story. That's what I mean. So it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you like the the Robin in there, you still got Batman. But do you think his his family, the wide upside, you know, recently the, the, the big story in in, um, in Batman was, you know, spoiler, Alfred. And it kind of like shocked people. Um, do you think his wider family makes him uh, again popular? Yeah, because everyone has a favorite. You know, somebody likes Barbara Gordon, or someone does like Batman, or which Robin is your favorite? It's just another thing. It's another aspect of Batman to debate and sort of have a favorite and cling to. I don't know. I mean, you've got like the Shazam family, and you've got like all the speedsters and the Flash. That they kind of become a, a family model. Um, as, as they've grown and as writers have developed them, like Mark Wade developed that whole you know, impulse, uh, Jay Garrick and kind of tied them all into the Speed Force. Um, so I think there is there are those families out there. And I, I like to think that, you know, this Dark Loner, as much as we like the Dark Loner stories, I think that, you know, Robin, especially Robin, especially Dick Grayson, grounds him in a way where it's like, you know, you're, you're gonna like, you're gonna go mental. You're gonna go crazy, and you're gonna lose it one day. You're gonna you're gonna cross that line. You're so hard, you know, trying not to cross. And with Robin now, I think that kind of he wants to support that. That he's looking after the children. He doesn't want another child to go through what he's been through. That's why, and he's the he's the example. He holds Robin up as like that's what he wants all the children to be. You know, strong enough. Yeah. I mean, or the, if he puts it, they put it to another public vote, yeah. and then we see what happens to Robin. Then, yeah. you know, that, that could happen. Uh, but I, I think, I think Robin's a very integral part, and yeah. I, and I, I, I think it's quite sad that we haven't had a Batman film that, for, since Batman and Robin, in fact, that's had like you know a young teenage Robin. You know, I think, I think we could really do with that in the new uh, kind of Batman film that's coming out. I think there is talks that they're going to extend the Bat family, uh, and I'd really, really love to see that. Yeah, yeah. I do like the guy I'm not a huge fan of the Batman family because I always feel like, oh, you know, he's a, you know, he's a half crazed loner who hangs out on rooftops <laughs> at night. You know, except for 
this huge extended family of 15 pounds. Um, but, like, if your thing is Nightwing or Barbara Gordon or, you know, like, that's cool. I don't know, like, there's room for those stories, too. My preference is just Batman being Batman and once in a while maybe maybe Robin. Yeah. Um, but, again, I think that speaks to the elasticity of the character um, and to the to the, the range of things you can do with it. Um, it's, you know, to, a, to, to, be, to be realistic about it, it's also a brand extension. Um, you know, the character is hugely popular and has been for decades. Yeah, here's young Batman. So, so you're, Batman. you're gonna you're gonna get more. The Marvel and DC universe are to general to, to a general purpose fairly static. Now. They're not gonna change a great deal. They're not gonna grow a great deal because if you have the next awesome superhero idea, you're not gonna take it to Marvel or DC and give it to them for free. That's not that's not how the business works anymore. So. Um, so the surest way for you know publishers to extend their minds are you, know, you get you get Spider Gwen and you get more versions of Bat characters and Super characters. Um, you get X twenty three next to Wolverine. Um, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing either. It's, you know, that, certainly those characters um, serve a need for for segments of the audience too, and I would never want that to be to be taken away from the audience. It kind of makes you wonder who's. Who is the last original breakout character that wasn't derivative? Like Gambit, Deadpool. Did you just say Gambit's or, or Deadpool's not derivative? <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. But I mean, not from a family like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, and I think there. You know, look. There's a reason that we got like the Red Hulk and the Blue Hulk and the Plaid Hulk and the yeah. and the Chartreuse Hulk. Um, because there are, you know, there's nothing new under the sun to a great extent. Uh, you know, comic superhero stories are generally about middle. You know, there's a beginning and then it's all middle because none of them ever end. Yeah. So, so you know, we, we get you know just tons and tons of middle, and that includes you know various and sundry uh, versions and knockoffs and takes on the characters that are, that are popular. And then you have to give the illusion of ending. You know, so someone will die for a while, and then they'll be back, and eventually everything returns to the status quo. Which is why people ask me, "Are you mad about this?" And it's like, "Well, no, because if it's a good idea, it sticks. If not, it's just going to revert back to what it was." Yeah. I've got some important commentary here about. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. First of all, um, X23, the real origin of the name, is that Logan did a 23andMe genetic test, and that sample grew into a small girl. <laughs> uh, the other thing is that. <laughs> five minutes. The other one is that, and Mark Wade will never admit this is true, but we all know it's true. The speed force is cocaine. You know, you, you invite Gene Ha into your panel, and things go sideways in a hurry. There's, there's, Sorry, Mark, I had to tell everybody. There's drug usage, there's, there's you know, genetic manipulation. <laughs> I thought you would be the safe bet for this. <laughs> Sorry, it's all the speed force in me right now. All the speed knee-deep in speed force. <laughs> so, I realized um, that I didn't introduce anyone at the beginning. <laughs> bit of a bit of a four-part. So, if you'd just like to um, just say who you are, please. Um, start with John. Uh, I'm John Lehman. I wrote uh, Detective and Batman and Journal for a while. Who you are, please. Oh, you mean... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Ron Mars, and I've written a bunch of comics, including Batman vs. Aliens and Marvel vs. DC and Green Lantern Aliens, 
um, Batman vs. Tarzan, which I really love doing, um, and some other various and sundry bits. I'm Gene Ha, an artist who's best known for working on Top Ten, a lot of superhero stuff from Marvel and DC. Uh, currently working on my creator-owned book, May, M-A-E, from Lionforge. And my true origin is that uh, Mark Wade took a genetic test, and here I am now. <laughs> and he uses Speed Force. <laughs> so just so now we know who you are, give us a little bit of an insight. It's like working on a Batman book. I'll start with John. Well, uh, so I got uh, sort of Batman handed to me on a silver platter based on the success of Chew. But Scott Snyder was the Batman guy. And I had I had no illusions that I was writing kind of the second tier Batman book. But I didn't sort of have ambitions to climb to the top of the mountain. And uh, very early on, and Grant Morrison was writing Batman too. Like in my third issue, they came to me and they said, oh, we couldn't tell you this, but Grant Morrison killed Robin. We had to keep it under wraps. Now you got to deal with it. And wow. had I had a master plan, but I don't I don't tend to do that. I, I treated um, writing Batman like jazz. Like I knew after that, if anything could happen with these other books, don't think too far ahead and just kind of like ride the current. And so I tried to just use as many of my favorite villains as I could. Because I thought, what am I doing writing Batman? I'm going to get fired at any point. I, I you know... I'm a fraud. So write as many Batman villains you like before you get fired. And I, you know, I was on for about three years before that wise stuff. I'm going to say I started working on Batman stories when Archie Goodwin was still inside the DC offices, uh, who is one of the greatest American editors of all time. I, I, my theory is he's the greatest, but some people debate that with me. But God, he was a great editor, and doing a Batman story with him was just heaven. Yeah, I think actually my first Batman story was for, for Archie, too. Um, and who is the greatest American commentator? I mean, think hands down. Um, and my Batman story for Archie actually came out like years after Archie's death. It sat in the drawer, and and sort of looked like it was never going to see print because uh, Bernie Wrightson penciled it and Kevin Nolan inked it. Wow! Um, and, and that sits in a drawer. And that sat in a drawer for fifteen years. Wow! Um, Finally, it came out in a, in a, like, as its own thing with a backup of, uh, like, Swamp Thing's encounter with Batman, but Bernie had also drawn, obviously, in the, in the 1970s. So I've, I've generally written Batman in crossovers with, with Tarzan, with Aliens, um, Marvel vs. DC, with all-access miniseries. So I've written him encountering other characters to a great extent. Um, and also some solo stuff for, like, The Dark Knight. But I've... I mean, the one rule that I've always stuck to when writing Batman is you're never inside his head. You know, I don't, I don't want to be in Batman's head. That should be a scary place, and the reader shouldn't be in there. Like, I don't want to humanize him that much when he's in the suit. Like, when he's when, when he puts on his Bruce Wayne mask, I think it's okay to get inside his head a little bit. But for me, like, books that have a whole raft of sort of first-person narration... Of Batman, you know, I'm gonna crawl to the top of this garden and look out moodily on the on the, the the breadth of Gotham City right out there. No, you know, I don't. That's not my that's not my version of Batman. Which isn't to say that that other ones don't work. Um, certainly, Dark Knight Returns, which is probably my favorite Batman story and favorite Batman story for a lot of other people. You're inside Batman's head and it works great, but it just doesn't work for the way I want. I'm just going to say, uh, 
You know who wouldn't have let that Ron Mars Batman story sit in his uh, drawer for 15 years? Archie Goodwin. Well, there you go. You just said about like um, Batman Returns. I was going to say um, best and worst Batman stories you've read or been involved in. Because I, I like, you know, I, I agree with what you were saying earlier. There are some great Batman stories, but there are some really poor Batman stories. I think one of the poorest ones for me at the moment is that Batman Damn, which came out was like crazy about it. It just it was awful. The ending was dreadful. It was lazy writing. Just like, oh, it was dreadful. And by Batman Returns to probably the what means to Batman. We, we, we actually call that Dark Knight Returns in America. I don't yeah, know what you guys Batman do over Returns. here. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Snippy. <laughs> I'll start with Gene. Best out of work. Well, um, I can't really remember the, like the really. I know I've read bad Batman stories, but partially, I can't remember them very well. And also, I just don't want to f- slam another professional right now. But I will say the best one I've worked on is um, I got to have Archie Goodwin write a Batman short for me, which showed up inside of Showcase ninety five number eleven. It was just this brilliant story, and Batman did not actually show up in it. Is Arkham Asylum and a psychiatrist who thought he was able to manipulate the residents. And, of course, it all goes very, very badly. And it was at the high point of my cross-hatching style where it looked like I was doing uh, the illustrations on, like, a $10 bill or something with all that fine line work. Um, so if you can track it down, Showcase 95, number 11, you can get it cheap and great, great script by Archie Goodman. So, so Gene Ha's favorite Batman story was drawn by Gene Ha. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, no, well, I thought you Batman story I worked on. I thought you said that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It is my favorite. I mean, it's still a starchy good one, though. <laughs> um, I, like, I don't, I don't. Um, of of what I've done, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that those are sort of obviously odd kind of stories. I, I liked, I li- and I like both of them. Um, yeah, you have excellent taste. Um, it, I mean, we were kind of stunned that they actually let us do it. I, you know, Bernie. I used to live down the road from Bernie Wright's and I down the road from him. We were coming back from like dinner or having a beer or something and we just kicked around the idea it would be cool if Batman met the aliens. And we thought, yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, they'll never let us do it, but that would be something we can work on together. And uh, and so Bernie called uh, Bob Shrek, who was at Dark Horse at the time, and, you know, ran the idea up to him. And like within a week, and, like all the parties had said yes, and they were like, "Oh shit, we got to come up with a story for this now." <laughs> uh, so I said to Bernie, "Like, what do you like? What do you want to draw?" And he's like, "No, no cars and no building." I was like, "All right, jungle, Mayan ruins, let's go." So I, you know, I loved working on Batman Aliens because it was it was Bernie. Um, I loved working on Batman Tarzan because I love Tarzan and I like sort of the the pulp sensibility of both characters and, and realize that basically Batman and Tarzan are the same guy. Um, they're both orphan noblemen um, and raised not by their parents, obviously. And, and like, the, the weird thing is, is uh, you know, Tarzan, raised by apes in the jungle, is a much more well-adjusted individual. Than <laughs> than um, so, but I, I think if I, if I had to I pick... I think that reflects poorly on Alfred. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. I wouldn't trust that guy as far as I could throw him. Um, and, you know, not just because he's British. Uh, and dead. Um, but I, like two of the other Batman stories that I've done, I, I really love both of them. Are, is um, I did one that was a Riddler story, um, and, and I love it because Rodolfo DiMaggio, who's a genius, drew it um, and made me look really good. 
and then I did a Legends of the Dark Knight that um, that was drawn by Cully Hamner and finished up by Derek Donovan, and the villain was uh, Edgar Allan Poe, and actually all of the all of the dialogue it was was the villain was a you know a nut job because. Because sometimes Batman villains are crazy. The villain was a you know this insane person who thought he was Edgar Allan Poe, and it had and it had surgery to make himself look like Poe. Like all of his dialogue in the story is actually from Poe stories. Like I didn't write any of his dialogues. I I, I guess I actually actually ripped off Edgar Allan Poe. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, like anytime anytime you get to write Batman, hell, I got to write Batman fighting Captain America. That was pretty cool. Like anytime you get to do that stuff, it's like even. Bad Batman stories are kind of, kind of good when you get right down to it. It's got Batman in it. Yeah. <laughs> are we talking about our own Batman stories? What are you talking about? What else? I was just, you know, like I said, I was, I was on for one short concentrated period and I, I, I liked all of my detective run because I was using all my best characters. Um, I didn't really like writing Batman Eternal. It was with five writers, and every single email chain went on for like 45, you know, just everyone going back and forth, and I like to work by myself in a cave, and it had nothing to do with the story, I just, I didn't want to work with, you know, four other writers. Uh, that's not Batman's fault. That's not the story's fault. This is because John Lehman was raised by a British butler, and all the other writers in Batman at that time were raised by apes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, no. I said I said no Americans. You didn't listen to me. So I talked. You talked. You two. Do you any questions? Oh, yeah, well, why are you a Batman fan? Say, what's your name? Steel. My name is Steel. I'm Mortal. Uh, I come to Comic Con every month here, every year. Uh, basically, Batman. Like you can relate to him. I mean, he has uh, he is a billionaire, so. You have to do some like stuff like to be a billionaire. He, he doesn't sleep, so in a way you can relate to him. But he is at the end of the day, he is human. So and it's difficult to be a difficult to he knows a lot of uh, stuff like karate and stuff like that. So you have to learn things. But at the end of the day, he's just human, you know. So you cannot relate to him in a way. And regarding the, I wanted to talk about the, the Batman family. Uh, like we can see human side of Batman. Like for example, when they, I think when they wanted to create Batman, they were like uh, this dark, like you said, you don't want to get into his mind because he's so dark. But then with the Batman family, you can see his uh, like family side. You know, for example, when Jason Todd died, you can really see the like he even carries out this cause. So that reminds me of this mystery. So you can see the human side of Batman when you, when you see his family. Like, we are kind of blessed with one of the greatest you know, literary creations of all time. I think we've all had so much joy from every, every you know, story, uh, every element of Batman. All the work that Bill Finger did. I watched the documentary about Bill Finger the other day. Maybe shed a tear for that poor man, not getting the credit until up until recently for all the stuff he did, all the work he did, and and I think it's just it's just a wonderful creation. I don't think the comic book industry would be what it is now 
you know, we wouldn't have our Spider-Man and a Fantastic Four or X-Men, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, that's a real fair point. Without Batman. Yeah, sure, Superman was there, but I think Batman is, like we said, a very human element to the comic book story. He's fallible, you know, he may be brilliant, he may have the gadgets and stuff, but he still makes huge mistakes. And, and he's mortal. Yeah, exactly. He's mortal. He's, he's someone you can put in absolute peril, you know, be it psychological or physical, you know, it's it's just a, a wonderful character and, and one that will now go on forever. It's, he's even got like, he's even alive in the, the social consciousness. You, you know, he, he's not a, you know, he's a fictional character, he's not a, a person. But we know how Batman would react in certain situations, you know. He wouldn't, he wouldn't go into the Batcave and flip Alfred off, you know. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't tell him, get me my damn fishy swerve, you know, all that sort of stuff, you know. He wouldn't, he wouldn't react like that, because that's not Batman. It's like Superman. We know who they are deep down. Like, they're, they're alive. Like, you've said, Dan has said to me many a time that, like, um, his best friends are Superman and Batman. Like, when he was a kid, like, he had, you know, uh, those were his best friends, and I, and I believe that as well. I, I think that's, you know, I think that's really touching and it's really special. For me, it's the same, you know. Uh, all these characters, you know, embodied something that I didn't have, wasn't getting somewhere uh, at that time. And, you know, you fall in love and you, you gravitate towards these characters. And, and yet, like you said, it's aspirational. Spider-Man is my favourite because he's, in a sense, so, sense, so relatable. And he is, I, I feel like, yeah, Batman's the aspirational one. Messing everything up, not being able to get a date on Saturday night. You know, it's that sort of thing. Or any night. Yeah, any night, whatsoever. <laughs> De- Dennis is my date this, this weekend, you know, sharing the bedroom, you know, he's complimenting me on my body. Uh, so, but yeah, um, Dennis, what, Dennis, what is your, what's your most underrated Batman story? I want to ask you a question. Oh, um, oh, I don't know. I, oh. What's the one you like? I, I like I like kind of like um, I like Batman in Team. I like him when he's doing the uh, Justice League. Yeah. Um, so I like like Tower blah, blah, blah. I like I like kind of um, Justice League International. Yeah, yeah. I like him. I like him in the team setting of it because he's he's the badass in there. But you know he's the one that you can rely on to have your back. So I do like him. You know he, he basically can take out the entire Justice League. He knows he can do it. They know that he knows that he knows. But he just doesn't want to do it all the time. But I, I do like him in team settings. Um, but yeah, I like Batman. But I, but I love Superman. So <laughs> he's he's my. He's, I love Superman more than anything. But I do like Batman. But Superman is my um, is my thing. So yeah, I, it was the first the first comic I ever bought was um, was a Batman comic. I, I think it was I can't remember two thirty three or something. First ever one. Um, and that's, on my own money it was like I got a, I saw it got it and that was kind of it then so I'd read stuff before I read a lot of Marvel but Batman was Batman and Superman was the two heroes that got me I'm gonna read comics you know forever I think it's I think the best like other media interpretations of Batman and Superman are the animated series yeah um, and I think what though the power of those is they were able to distill all the stuff that works into very simple not even very simple but sort of sleek interpretations yeah. of, you know, the villain, like, like the, to me, by far the best Superman stuff is Superman animated series. You know, the Superman, the, the Richard Donner films with Christopher Reeve are, you know, they're not really sort of big superhero movies in, in that sense. The supervillain stuff that uh, Bruce Timm and company did in Batman animated series is just 
like is just spot on to me. Like every time, that's that's Superman. To me. Complete. We had this conversation. Me and Dan yeah. had this conversation the other week, saying like Mask of the Phantasm is probably, if not the best Batman movie. Um, but I was like it was talking about the animated, the, the first time Batman and Superman meet. He's just like follows him. He goes, look, bit of kryptonite. There we go. Look at his face. Doesn't take much, does it? Very simple. Proves the point straight away. Like I, I've got you. You know, Batman's saying you're kind of there. Doesn't take much, and I've got it. I do think the animated series is bite. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I, I, I grew up with the animated series, and when I like, it was my introduction to the DC universe at large. Like, like what we're saying, it kind of gives you the best example of those characters. So, like characters like the Scarecrow and Killer Croc. Like, whenever I read them, whenever I hear them or see them, I, I always that's that's my interpretation. I go straight to Bruce Tim, Paul Dini. You know, I go back to that. That's that's my mold. I do like different interpretations, different takes on it because you know that's that's what it's about. But if I want if I want the classics, I always go back to that. And Superman the animated series is totally underrated as a as a Superman product. It's completely underrated. Uh, and I, I think some classic classic episodes and classic takes on Clark Kent and Superman within that show. And, uh, and then into the Justice League. And various other uh, different animated projects, um, but yeah, I think that's for me. Like the, that was my way to DC Comics. Like I wouldn't have read the DC Comics without that animated series. So a multicon's getting very, very loud. So I think we'll call it a day. So thanks, John. Yeah. Thanks, Ron, and I suppose I better thank Gene as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think I have any nasal sinuses left because all that's great, great speed force you gave me, man. This has been a great interview. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thank you all for listening to us. See you soon.